Welcome to... Hold up, hold up. I'm going to run this back again. Uh, is this episode six? Yeah, this is episode six. All right. Welcome to episode six of the Setting the Edge podcast. It's Justice Mosqueda here with my co-host, Charles McDonald. Charles McDonald, you see uh, you see Aaron Rodgers throw this Hail Mary pass? Uh, I did see him throw another Hail Mary pass for another touchdown. That's 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 interesting. It's almost like it's almost like the most explosive plays like count more for points in an NFL game than like just being efficient on a down to down basis. That's kind of funny how that works out. Oh, okay. I mean, are you are you trying to start a little MVP debate? Because no, Matt- no, no, no. I have no opinion on that. I have no opinion on that matter. I'm just saying it's it's kind of funny. I've never thought of it that way. Should we get into reviewing these these uh these playoff games? Yeah, let's do it. Uh... Awful so week. the first, first, first for worst, right? Is Oakland Houston? Oakland Houston. Michael Crabtree was not wearing a chain. Well, um, well, he was at first, but then it got snatched by Jonathan Joseph when on on uh like his second catch of the game. No way. Yeah, did it actually? Yeah, it did break when Jonathan Joseph. It broke. Him. Yeah, it broke. He got the janky chain now. Yeah, he's a mark, man. <laughs> oh my god! Imagine, imagine. Um, <clears throat> so. This game, this game was okay. I mean, future future New England Patriots receiver Brock Osweiler did half decent. He found New Hopkins after uh, 18 weeks. He finally figured out that he has like one of the top five receivers in the NFL. Um, other than that, I mean, no, nothing really stood out to me in that game. Connor Cook was really really bad. Uh, he was he was horrible. It looked like he is he has playoff experience, and it was against Alabama, and it, very similar, very yeah. similar. Uh, let's see. Menelik Watson is not as good as Donald Penn. Not good. I didn't realize that Melanique was starting at left tackle. Um, that's a, that's a freaking horrible idea. I mean, that that's that's some stuff that like draft guys know about. Where I saw Melanique Watson lining up against Jadavion Clowney, and I was like, game, game, game. That that's enough. That's like losing a quarterback right there in itself. It's like that that type of mismatch. I mean, we've been seeing that since like 2014. The difference between those two from a talent perspective. Yeah. Um. Let's see. This who this dude AJ Bowie for the Texans like is he yeah. gonna get paid? He's gonna get paid. Yeah, he's gonna get paid. He's like one of the PFF guys who like rose up. Usually you end up seeing like PFF gets on a guy and then like a year later people really start liking him. Like I know uh, Chris Harris was kind of like that, right? Like he was a big PFF guy, and then like the next year he ended up being like a Pro Bowl type of dude. Um, Bowie like he's I mean he's he's about to be a free agent, so like someone's gonna pay him. Like he's gonna end up being like one of the top corners in this in this. Uh, coming free agency class and like if you learn anything from guys like Tremaine Johnson and uh Janoris Jenkins and like all that like cornerbacks are getting paid now like there's a huge difference between like a cornerback and like a linebacker right now or like even a safety um I think Earl Thomas is making as much as like Sam Shields like and that was back in the day like that the money has gotten different since then too um so I mean that yeah I I, I just assume that he's gonna end up being like bring him to Green Bay man Green Bay needs some corners yeah and even like we just saw uh a few months ago when uh, Atlanta re-signed Robert Alford for like four years, $38 million. And that's, that's like, that's what they're paying for a number two. So boy, he's definitely going to get some, some nice cash in the market. I, I think PFF had him charted for uh, seven catches or seven targets, zero receptions and an interception versus the Raiders on Saturday. So he's pretty good. Like he was, I can't remember what game it was, but there was some nationally televised game that he really blew, like blew out in. And that was like the first time I like, I'd actually heard his name. And then ever since I've, ever since that game, I've had like an eye on him when I'm watching Texans games. And I was like, damn, this dude's like actually like legitimately good. Yeah. Yeah. He's really good. Um, but yeah, there's not much else to talk about. Connor Cook was awful. Texans, uh, defense looks like they're about to be really, really good in the near future. I mean, they got some dudes in that front seven. 
Yeah, man. Because like, w- like Whitney, like you have Whitney Merciless and like Jadavion Clowney, and when they get JJ Watt back, like that's that's not fair. Yeah, and even, even like DJ Reader has played pretty well as rookie year. Yeah, he got like a sack, right? Yeah, I'm not I, saw, like I was Watson. like, who's that big dude who got a sack? It's DJ Reader, and I was like, hey, hey. pat yourself on the back a little bit. <laughs> and uh, have you have you? Uh, I don't know if you have the numbers on him from like force players or anything, but have you looked at uh, Joel Heath's numbers from out of Michigan I, State last year? Uh, he's the yeah, he's the Michigan State guy. You took a couple screen caps of him. Um, I do not have his force players numbers up. I don't think I ever ran him. He's not. A, he's a D tackle, right? Uh. Yeah, he's playing D tackle for them. But yeah. I mean, if you just looked at if you just look at his like mock draftable web, he's a freak, freak athlete, and he's starting to figure it out too. And uh, McKinney's a dude, so when they get Watt back next year, that's going to be a scary team. Yeah, and like Cushing, like all that, even like the the guys in the secondary, like Jonathan Joseph's incredibly underrated. Still, I know people are saying that he's washed now, but he's still incredibly underrated for like he's like a guy who legitimately never gets talked about. Yeah, I, I think part of that just comes from. Like the Bengals never promoting their players. Yeah, the Bengals and Texans, like he's not big flashy defenses ever. You know what I mean? And like even then, like in in Cincinnati, you have guys like Pac-Man that like steal the show, right? And stuff like that. So yeah. and you have all you had like a stream of first round picks that were coming in behind him. Same in Houston, where you have guys like Kareem Jackson, um, that kid from Vanderbilt, right? I forget Wake his name. Forrest, Kevin uh, Johnson. Yeah, yeah, my bad. It's the other horrible team that's in black and gold. Um, yeah, so it's like they have like a stream of like young guys, so it's like you never pay attention to like the veteran who's producing consistently. Yeah. Uh, so what was the game on after that? Seattle and Detroit? Seattle and Detroit, yep. What was the final score? I was watching that with Seahawks fans. What's up? What was the final score of that game? I forget. Uh, I'll look that up right now, actually. Uh, because I remember we ended up, we decided to pick Detroit, right? Uh, yeah, we did. Point uh, that didn't turn out so well. Uh, it was twenty six. It was twenty six six. That game. That game was pretty horrible. Um, it was down to. It was basically Matt, Matt Stafford iso ball, and Matt Stafford iso ball doesn't really work when he has to wear a glove because his like middle finger's broken. Yeah. Even then, I, I I didn't think the Seahawks were like that impressive in their win. You know. No, like Doug, uh, like what's his name, Paul Richardson. Yeah. Or whatever. Like he went off. Like he had like three. He had three like amazing receptions in that game. Um, I'm trying to think Doug Baldwin did pretty good too. I can't re- like Thomas Rolls kind of, kind of went off. Like he, he got fed a lot just because they were up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I can't really think of anyone that really impressed me in that game other than like their pass rush. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And even then, like that, that line or not the, uh, the Seahawks offensive line, they still got wrecked by onside carry Hyder oh, that week. Like, dude, Kerry Hyder had like one play where he just, he just ruined a guy and I was like, just pay that man. Just pay that. Well, it's a good thing that uh, you know Tom Cable isn't getting a head coaching interview with like the San Francisco 49ers or anything like that. <laughs> you know, I tweeted out during the game that uh, you know, Tom Cable's about to get – he got a head coach look from San Francisco, and he has insisted on trying to kill Russell Wilson every single week of his career. So maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's why San Francisco is interested in him because he knows how to kill Russell Wilson. He knows, he knows how to kill his quarterback? That's if you. That's what. That's what. Like Buff, Buffalo's gonna end up hiring like Tom Cable to like off to off Tyrod Taylor so they can get out from under that contract. Yeah. <laughs> Just like get him out of the paint, man. Just get him out of the paint. Um. Yeah. So the Seattle game, like I said, it's just like Cliff Averill, Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett just beating the crap out of like Matthew Stafford essentially, and then uh, and Paul Richardson making crazy catches. That dude's a, like he hasn't really had a game like that ever, right? Well, he's been like, hurt. I can't a, he's been hurt a lot. Since he got he? to the league, I know yeah. he's a small dude. Small dude coming out of Colorado. He's a guy like a lot of people liked, but 
Um, I feel like we have one of those guys every year. Uh, what's his name from Kansas State? He was, at, he was at yeah Tyler Lockett was like that with Seattle too, where it's kind of a small guy, like little hype building, but it was just like he's never been able to put it together for like a season. And I just saw that and I was like, because he made he made that one where he's getting dragged down, got pi'd in the end zone, and still made a one handed catch. Yeah, that that was crazy. I mean, he just yeah, kinda, he, he just kind of found the point of the football and just grabbed it. That was that was nuts. Yeah. Okay, so uh, game after that was actually Miami-Pittsburgh, which I literally saw zero seconds of. I was in a house that had a bidet in it, and I was scared to leave the room. Uh, I showed up in my house probably 15 minutes before the Packers game kicked off. So I saw – I literally went to my timeline when I woke up, saw a tweet of Dupree's, uh Bud Dupree knocking the crap out of Matt Moore. And then I saw your tweet trying to claim that Matt Moore is like as decent as Brian Tannehill. <laughs> you you straight denied that on the podcast last episode when I brought it up. So yeah, I was you're fraud. That. You're the liar of the week. <laughs> well, I mean, there wasn't. I mean, there's not much to say about this game. Like, th- yeah, it looks it looks disgusting. Th- there was <laughs> there was like at one point where uh, the Steelers were up twenty-one to nothing, and Big Ben was like ten for ten for one hundred thirty-nine yards and two touchdowns. I just kept seeing I just kept seeing tweets where they're like, "Why is Ben still in?" Yeah, like that's the only that's I'm, the only take I saw the entire day. I didn't watch the end of the game to be honest. I was just trying to be semi-productive for the week ahead, but uh, I mean, it, it was a slaughter. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's nothing else you can really say. And Matt Moore, I think Matt Moore can't keep up with you know. Big Ben, AB, and Le'Veon. Le'Veon, he went off again. He had some crazy runs. So, yeah, like so, like this this Miami team, like for for a team that clinched a wild card spot before Week 17 even kicked off, this Miami team has to be like one of the worst ever. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. Like not not considering like quarterback injury or like anything like that, because like like I said, I don't even think like Matt Moore, the drop off from Matt Moore to Ryan Tannehill, I don't think that is that it's that big, but like. For a team that was able to clinch weeks out into the playoffs and like have very little talent, like that, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, and I think the Lions are kind of like the same way, where like yeah, they were winning all those coin flip games during the season, and I think you kind of saw once they played uh, Dallas on that Monday night after Christmas, they just got destroyed in that game. You're like, okay. Well, I think I think a lot of that too was Stafford getting hurt. Like once Stafford got hurt, it was like, dude, it's done. You know what I mean? It's like that's literally the only way that this team could. It's the same thing with Oakland. If you're gonna be a shootout team and your quarterback goes down, good night. Yeah, like what? Right. What do you think? Like if if the Colts didn't have Andrew Luck, you know what that team looks like? It looked like the Browns, not good. Probably. Good, yeah. But yeah, uh, man, this was a really crappy week for like to start the playoff with. Like, every game was a blowout. I, mean, I liked the last game a lot. Okay. That, that was pretty fun for me. All right, honestly, go on, go on about your Packers. Go on about my pack. I don't know what you're talking about. That that sounds like I'm a little biased or something like that. I just, I just think is I think I really like watching the best player in football play. I just really love watching Aaron Rodgers throw the ball around. Uh, I don't I don't know, man. Like that that game was kind of crazy, honestly. So I like Packers fan, right? Uh, 13 time world champion Packers fan actually. Um, so like the first drive, they're going at Ladarius Gunter back to back, and it looked like they were going to complete like two 40 yard passes like in a row. And I was like, dude, they are going to blow the top off of this defense all game. And then they just didn't. And, like, Odell, I know Odell dropped, like, three balls. But, like, why didn't they just keep trying to go to him? Like, I know in the red zone they put two guys on him. And basically, like, they, they basically treated him like a punt. Like, they, like, punt gunnered it. <laughs> yeah, like, they were like, dude, like, you make sure he doesn't cross your face this way. I'll make sure he doesn't cross my face this way. And, like, other than that, like, he, they just weren't able to do anything. Like, e- Eli Manning looked bad, right? 
Like, oh, that wasn't, yeah, he was it wasn't like a, it wasn't a horrible, like, six-pick Eli Manning game, but it was, like, Eli Manning, you give, you're, you say Eli Manning plays like this, and you say, okay, the Giants lost. Yeah, and, like, the problem with uh, this performance was the, the, the good opportunities that he did give them, uh, like, the good, the few good passes he did throw, they were dropped, so if you drop the accurate ones and the misfires are definitely going to be there, especially with how he's played this year. That that's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, like probably the like other than there was like that 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 like pick play, right? So they had that pick play, that was a really nice pass. And then other than that, the only significant pass that I can think of is that Will Ty one where he like broke down the middle of the field and then like drug drug uh, Martinez for like five thousand yards. Um I don't know, man. Like that 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 Giants defense was doing well for a while and then it just seems like that, that Hail Mary just deflated the hell out of him or something. Because the first half and second half, that's two different stories on that defensive side of the ball. Oh yeah. Because they had, they had, there were there was one point where they were like, look, the Giants have like 170 yards and the Packers have like 17. Yeah, I, I remember. And uh, you know, we all, we got to call out Ben McAdoo for just being a complete coward. I mean, and not go, yeah, not going for it. Not going for <laughs> it. Like fourth and one. You have you're up 6-0 in a playoff game at Green Bay. You got to keep the foot on the gas pedal, you know. He also did. He also didn't go for two. He also didn't go for two when he could have tied a game up. And I'm just like, I don't know, man. Yeah, like, like two- I'm saying you you have like you have like a ring around laminated sheets because you have so much information that you need to have at the at, at your at your fingertips. And like, I could go to like your average like 13 year old on Twitter and ask him like, Hey, is it efficient? Is it more efficient to like go for it on fourth down? And he would tell you yes. Like, yeah. what, what's on these sheets, man? And both times he punted, like he, they were on the Packers' side of the field. He punted one from the 37 and one from the 41. So Ben McAdoo, you're a huge coward, and that was just honestly pathetic. Yeah, he, he deserved to lose. He deserved to lose. That's fine. That's one person who's not going to walk onto the, on the field shirtless, Ben McAdoo. Like, no, <laughs> I got layers. I got layers. I've been here before. No way. <laughs> But it's fine. I mean, Odell Beckham's gonna have a bunch of time to like make Instagram videos and stuff, dancing with Drake, all that stuff. I mean, you see, he he punched a hole in a wall. Yeah, I did see that. But he's he's gonna have fun this offseason. We know that. He's gonna he's gonna he look he's gonna have more fun this offseason than I'm gonna have in my entire life. Let me have this. <laughs> <laughs> all right, should we pre- preview these these playoff games coming up this next week? Yeah. Uh, so the first game is uh, I'm pretty sure it's Seattle versus Atlanta. It's Seattle Atlanta because the the NFL is rigging uh, against the Seattle Seahawks. They want to make them play early games uh, across the country. Did you know that? <laughs> that's an that's an actual narrative in like Seattle Seahawks Twitter. Zach Whitman, we're calling you out. I'm not doing nothing. I'm not, I like Zach. Look, Zach knows numbers. I, we got to stick together. Because when up. you guys turn when you guys turn it around, I'm pretending like I'm not a nerd when I bring up this like Aaron Rodgers MVP discussion. But when you guys like really actually turn against the nerds and it's like y'all y'all gonna put us away, like it's me me and Zach back to back just trying to keep each other alive. Um, so <laughs> in this game, so this game, uh, according to like I said, we always go off of Odd Shark because it like combines like seventeen books and you can see all these live spread all these live lines and you can see how they move and things like that. It has the opening line at three and a half and it has moved up to four and a half almost across the board. So Atlanta's four and a half point favorites. That means in Seattle, uh, assuming a six point a six point flip, which it's probably something something close to that because Atlanta probably gets a bu- a, bu- a bump for playing in the dome, right? And then Seattle probably gets a bump for their home field advantage. So it'd probably be the same as reflective that way. So Seattle would be a 1.5 favorite 
like less than a field goal favorite at home against Atlanta, which I th- that's kind of interesting to me. Like I thought this game was going to be closer to three than it was going to be closer to like five. Yeah, I mean when it when it opened at uh what three and a half earlier today, yeah. I, I thought that seemed about right. But to see it already, and it, it was three and a half minus a hundred Atlanta. Like they were trying to get Atlanta money, and then they were like, oh wait, no way, that's where the money is anyway. Yeah, and they're I, try, trying to work their way off of that right now. And I think people are kind of uh, like the recency bias with Atlanta is fresh in their mind, and Seattle too. So you know. They had those blowouts against the 49ers and the Rams, and then they come out and score five touchdowns on five straight drives versus New Orleans last week. So, you know, it, it's – and I think we, we've kind of seen how Seattle's defense has trended since Earl Thomas has been out. So they, they yeah. almost lost to the 49ers. Yeah. They got torched by Carson Palmer, who was having a terrible year before that. And even, even uh, versus the Lions, you know, they had a lot of drop balls over the middle that would have made a difference in that game, but the Lions were just shooting yeah. themselves in the foot. So, uh, like, and like a, a lot of those plays that like Seattle got to get up that high were like ridiculous. Like we said, the Paul Richardson catches where it's like yeah. that's not going to happen again. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Especially against Atlanta, like that's one thing people talk about. Atlanta has a weak defense, but it's not Detroit. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not Detroit. And yeah. Atlanta, people talk about the same thing. You look at DVOA and you'd be like, look, Detroit has a good passing offense and they have a bad they have a bad passing D. That's like the same thing as Atlanta when it's like that's not the same situation at all. Like what Atlanta has on the offensive side of the ball in terms of firepower is completely different than what Detroit has when they have a busted up Matthew Stafford playing quarterback. Yeah. And I, like, I mean, if you've watched Atlanta all season, you can't doubt that they're going to put up a ton of points in this game because – yeah. I mean, the the only top defense that they really struggled with was uh, Philly, and, and so you have one top defense that they struggled with. They lit up Seattle when they went to the, uh, Seattle earlier this year. They lit up Denver, they lit up Arizona, they lit up Kansas City. So I mean, to 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 expect them to not put up points in bunches this week would be kind of crazy. It, it just uh, comes down to do you think Seattle can keep up with Atlanta? Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I just reverse engineered the line for like the total, and it's basically like, yeah, Atlanta should score like, like Atlanta should score like twenty eight points. I'm like, oh, that make that, or, yeah, that makes sense. And I'm like, um, mm, but how much is Seattle gonna get? Like realistically, yeah. um, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, Vic, are we gonna get Vic Beasley just going off in this game? I think we might. I think there's a good. Chance I'm we might. all the way here for that. I am all the way here for Vic Beasley just beating the crap out of uh, Seattle. Gilliam. The Seattle Seahawks just trash offensive line. Yeah, I mean, it's not even just like you can't even just name one name. Like there, there are guys on offensive like offensive line Twitter guys who are like, yo, their stances aren't even like what what are they ta- like what are they do like teaching out there? It's like Jermaine Ofedi is still like in a stance where like he can't move out of it, and like he's getting beat off the jump because he like can't get out of his stance. And I'm like, how does this how does this happen in the NFL? I don't know. Uh, but like, see, the, the thing with Atlanta's defense is they're not good. But the thing that they have that Detroit defense doesn't have is they have guys who can make plays on the ball. So, you know, that's big, what I was going to say. It's like pe- peaks and valleys and you just hope it evens out. Like yeah. Detroit's fucking bad. So, you got, you know, Vic had six forced fumbles this year. Keanu Neal had four. Deion Jones had one forced fumble and two pick sixes. So, you know, they're, they're, they're not the most consistent guys, but they're definitely guys that can, you know, make explosive plays on the ball. Uh, and, like, Atlanta's getting healthier on that side of the ball, too, with, like, Adrian Claiborne and those guys, like, starting to come back, right? Yep. So you got Claiborne coming back. You know, Freeney's got his time off that he needs. And, uh, 
Devondre Campbell should be getting healthy too for this week. So I, I kind of like Atlanta minus four point five. Yeah, I started thinking like that, that's a lot of points, but I'm I'm starting to kind of think of like like Atlanta and the under at the same time. Like that's kind of a weird thought, but Atlanta and the under. Like I I kind of lean that way. The unders I, I think is fifty one points. Yeah. Yeah, yeah which, is, which is usually high. Usually it's like around uh, 48, basically. And even in that first Seattle game, it's not like, it's not like Seattle was just moving the ball up and down the field versus Atlanta. Cause, that's that's cause, what I'm saying. So, like, you think of Dallas and Green Bay, right, and you think of two potent offenses with bad defenses, right? Like, they should be able to score, right? Right. Um, That's between four, that's between 51 and 51 and a half for the over-under. And Atlanta-Seattle's at 51. Like, I don't think – Atlanta, Seattle, and Green Bay, Dallas. I think those two games look a lot different. You know what I mean? Yeah, so do I. Yeah, because in that first uh, Atlanta, Seattle game, they had the Cliff Averill had the strip sack that set him up on the two, and they got a touchdown like a, a play or two later. But besides that, they didn't really move the ball that well uh, throughout the game. So home field advantage. Atlanta's you know they've got Taylor Gabriel back for this game. They didn't have him the first time. You've got it. You've got Vic Dion Keanu kind of coming into form to close the season and Atlanta's offense is just on fire right now. So I, Dan I like Quinn it. revenge game. Dan, Dan Quinn, Quinn revenge, revenge game. game. Yeah, I like right, it. So we got Atlanta minus four point five. So we got Houston Houston uh, New England after that. So damn they, they are giving literally zero respects to the Houston Texans. Uh New England is between a fifteen and a half and seventeen point favorite at home, which means they would still be double digit favorites on the road in Houston. Um God damn man. God damn. That's I mean, a lot of points. Dude, they lost. Houston didn't look bad last week. Houston didn't look bad. They were playing. Like that that front seven was, seven was nasty. I know. I know. I know. But The, the one thing was like Houston looked like they really wanted to run their offense through tight ends. And all their tight ends still dropped the ball. And that freaked the fuck out of me. And I was like, oh, man. That's not going to fly against New England. No. And, you know, the thing. Because New England New England's going to take away your best thing. The best thing that you do. They're going to take away their tight ends. Yeah. Because if you're drawing it up, you're like, he hasn't thrown a nuke like all year. You know what I mean? So it's like, just shut down their tight ends. Like, Osweiler's going to short circuit. And the Patriots beat Houston 27 to nothing with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. And they had yeah. JJ Waffle part of that game. So. Oh, so that's like that's like negative points. That's like a backup. That's like Connor Cook playing Connor Cook playing a game, right? <laughs> it's, like, it's like the same thing, basically. It's the same. If same. you re, if you read Twitter, like they will convince you that JJ Watt is not good at football at all. He's actually he's hurting the team. Um, man, I want like on principle, you have to bet. Like, there's no way you can come up with a way a situation where it's like it makes sense to bet New England minus seventeen, but Bill Belichick keeps taking money from people. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. As, as crazy as it as it sounds, I, I would I would take <laughs> New England minus seventeen. I mean, do you trust Brock Osweiler not to get confused by playoff Bill Belichick? No. With a week to prep right. against a, a former a former uh, Patriots OC, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think it's gonna be a slaughter. Yeah, not good, not good. I yeah, I'm fuck man. Give me New England. Yeah. Five and a half, 15 and a half. You can find it at 15 and a half. Go get that. Yeah, I agree. God, that feels disgusting. Stay away from this game. What's the over-under, actually? like, I'm trying to find what the over-under is on this because that, that might be way better than anything that you could find. Uh, total, 65. 
65-17. Divide that by two. So they're saying Houston scores 14 points in this game. Good God. They're, they're just predicting straight annihilation. I mean, they're, yeah. So, so this high. Is, I, I don't this, think... is not, this is not good. This is like when, when uh, if you were looking at Vegas odds like during the election and you just see like it's swinging. It's like, yeah, Donald Trump is like 250 to one to win to win uh, the presidency. And you're like, damn, it's really happening. It's really happening. Yeah. Um, that, that's what this is right now. It's Vegas telling you Houston's going to get the shit stomped out of him. Because you can't even like uh, – uh, like – they're gonna you're gonna get a bunch of parlay money on this. No, like no doubt. Like there's gonna be a bunch of parlay money on this with like New England minus ten. That's yeah. how Vegas probably is trying to play this right now. Yeah. Is they they, they don't want to get over that ten on that parlay number. That's insane, man. That's insane. Yeah. So I mean I, I, if you're just gonna bet that line, I like I like New England. Yeah. Give me New England just so I could so I could sleep at night. I, I could go to sleep at night knowing that I bet on bet on uh, Bill Belichick. I can I can I can manage that. Bill O'Brien, no way. Looks like someone someone hit him. Like <laughs> it looks like someone hit him with an Allen wrench in his chin, bro. Still, like someone someone said that the other day, and I <laughs> oh was dying. And that's exactly. He looks like that. He looks like Buzz Lightyear. Someone put a photoshopped a bamboo butt, like hit him, like his his chin on a bamboo butt. Like I can't, I can't, man. I just that's not my coach. I can't ride with him like that. Oh no. All right, so the next game is Pittsburgh, Kansas City. Pittsburgh just blew out uh, the Miami Dolphins, who are certified not good. Kansas City's won like probably something like twenty out of the last twenty-five, and they're one point. Uh, they're one point favorites at home. This game opened up at uh, even. Uh, this is weird because last time they played the. The 49ers, or not the 49ers, I mean the uh, Steelers, they, they kicked the shit out of the Chiefs. It was like 34-3 last time they played. But now you ha- you kind of have the, the Tyreek Hill factor where... They were you- saying Todd, Todd Haley revenge game, right? Yeah, yeah, that was. That was, that was the narrative. It was Todd Haley revenge game because it was right after uh, Jim Schwartz did something too, right? I can't remember what happened with Jim Schwartz where he... Did he like beat down Buffalo or something like that? I can't remember. But it was like two coaches basically like in back to back weeks where it was like, yeah, we beat the crap, we beat the crap out of the people who fired us before. And I just remember it being like Todd Haley revenge game. That oh, was just oh, like, oh, it was uh, Jim Schwartz when the Eagles went to uh, Detroit, but they lost. So. Oh, it was Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Um, do you trust Alex Smith to keep up with Big Ben? Uh, Pittsburgh low key doesn't have a horrible defense anymore. I know that's the thing, right? Is yeah. is people still assume that it's like the horrible defense that they have, and it's still it's. I mean, it's Antonio, it's Antonio Le'Veon and and Ben Roethlisberger, man. Like, there's not, not not too many people can stop that, you know. Oh man, Pittsburgh would what this last week? Ten point favorites against Miami. Uh, yeah, it, it closed at twelve and a half point favorites. Oh God, okay. That that kind of hurts me, but so like Pittsburgh would basically be like a five point favorite at home against Kansas City, two points of value. Like Kansas Kansas City Miami, the numbers add up to a spot where you should be taking Kansas City in this, but you don't feel good about it. You do not feel good about it. Yeah. Like I think the way to almost like the way to do it in this would be like take Kansas City instead of taking Pittsburgh, just take Pittsburgh's AFC title odds. Honestly. Yeah, that's you'll probably, probably you'll probably find more value. Yeah, you'll probably find more value in that. Because yeah. if they win this, yeah, it's just hard to trust Alex Smith. You know, a big game like this. <laughs> yep. I mean, you don't even have to say Alex Smith, man. Andy Reid. Like we've seen Andy Reid in this spot a lot. 
Yeah. A lot. Well, his whole, a lot of his career is in this spot. But oh wait, actually, hold up. Uh, I almost forgot this. Andy Reid off of a bye, bro. Oh right. Yeah. Andy Reid off yeah, bye. Right. No, can't trick me. Mm-mm. Nope. Devil can't have me this week. We want no devils in this house. We're taking we're taking Andy Reid off of a bye and then losing next week. Easy. Yeah, that's fair. I, yep. I, I mean, <laughs> I, for, I forgot. Uh, I'll pull up the stat right now. Actually, I think Andy Reid is something like he's like. 18 and two or something like that. Like even like against the spread coming off of a buy. Yeah, uh, that, that dude is, that dude is good. And last time they played, they didn't have Tyreek Hill like doing what he's doing now. And I mean, that, that dude may be one of the fastest players I've ever seen. Yeah. Like that's what I always say is like, he is kind of like who we thought that like D'Anthony Thomas was going to be when you talk about like, yo, that guy had the angle and he beat it like faster than geometry. That's who that dude is. Uh, Andy Reid is 16 and two uh, as an NFL head coach coming off of a bye week. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, it's fucking yeah, it's huge. I remember I read that last year and I was like, good god, never let me forget about this ever. I almost slipped up, almost slipped up too. No way. All right, uh-uh. so we're uh, we're on the Chiefs then. Yep, we're on the Chiefs. Short short home favorite, short home favorite when you know that they're good uh, coming off of a bye. That's easy. All right, so now we have a uh, last game. The Sunday night game again. Again, the Green Bay Packers for like what's that? That's three weeks in a row, I think, at least. Maybe four. I don't they know. might that that might be four, yeah, because they they played they played week week seventeen for the NFC North title. They played this this week, and now they're playing against Dallas. Uh, Green Bay Packers at Dallas. Dallas is a four point favorite at home, which means that in Green Bay, uh, Green Bay is probably like a two point favorite, something like that. So uh, basically, they're saying Dallas is one point better than Green Bay, which I mean, this is a nine-win team going up against like a what is it, fifteen-win team, something like that, or thirteen-win team, fourteen. Fourteen. Damn, I skipped right past the correct number. Damn it. Uh, so <laughs> actually, I no, mean, you were right, thirteen, because they lost the Eagles week seventeen. Okay. Yeah, so it's like, I don't know, man. That's that's kind of low. If we're gonna be, if we're gonna keep it a buck, that's kind of low. Yeah, but it's like, can. Is Dallas's offense is, good enough? Is to keep... Dez about to drop fifteen balls like Odell Beckham did? Oh my god, I don't think so. But I think the thing with this game is, is Dallas good enough to play keep away from Aaron Rodgers? I mean, which is pretty. If, if they want, if they want to control the ball, they can control the ball on the ground. Yeah, I mean that's what they've done all season. So like when you look at uh, you know scoring defenses, they're number one in the league. But that's just because the defense is never on the field. So I, I think that's how they're going to have to manage this game and play like that. I mean, Zeke, they ran through that defense last time, and that's when they were, you know, quote-unquote, number one rush defense in the league. <laughs> when it was, like, the big, most fraudulent stat on earth where yeah. everyone just looked up and they're like, hey, did you know the Packers' run defense is the best run defense, like, in NFL history? I was like, there's no fucking way that's true. <laughs> like, yeah. and then, the, the numbers might say that. No, the eye test does not say that at all. I promise you, they have, like, two D tackles and three inside linebackers, and they're trying to figure out a rotation. No way. There's no way that team is going to hold up for 16 games like that. Oh yeah, um, they just got Steve. This game should game. be this game should be closer to seven than it is to three. You think so? Yeah. Even though like Rogers is on fire and people want to, it took Rogers a half to get ready. You know what I mean? And Ty Montgomery came out like kind of limping. Like we don't really know. Randall Cobb's always hurt. Jordy Nelson messed up his ribs. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. who who's the who's the most talented offensive skill player on that team who has been here for the past played played healthy snaps for the past two consecutive weeks? And like the answer is probably something like, I guess Devontae, right? It's yeah, like Devontae, Devontae Adams, Adams or like Jared Cook. Yeah, that's yeah. not a good look. 
No, it's not. That's not a good. That's not a good look when you're going against when you're going against literally a machine in the NFC. Yeah, and I I don't I don't think Dez is going to drop these balls that Odell was dropping. I I still trust Dez to just kill Gunter or whoever's across from him. And Zeke. Just ruin him, man. Just ru- like give me these corner something bad. Like they they straight up moved. Uh, I think I, maybe we talked about this. With, I think we talked about this this week uh, or last week, whatever it is. Uh, they moved a they moved a former Miami wide receiver uh, up from the practice squad to play defensive back for him. Like it's like straight up the Sam Shield story all over again. Like they're like we are very desperate and we just need a functional warm body. Yeah, I I I don't know. Like like it makes sense to take Cowboys minus four, but it's just so hard to bet against Rodgers when he's playing like this. You know, I, I playing like what? What are you trying to say? When he's playing, when he's playing well, <laughs> he's on fire right now. He's on fire. He's in. He's in fuego. He's in fuego. Um, I don't know, man. I'm cautious because I've I've seen this game before. You know how many times Michael, like literally, Michael McCarthy loses close playoff games. Like he, like they really haven't ever gotten blown out other than like one time against Harbaugh. I want to say like everything else is still like he's lost like six like overtime games. Like Dallas with that stadium rocking, like how it can be. When it is, because that's one thing is like this team hasn't that that Dallas team really hasn't had the energy like it has, like it's had this year in that stadium. Because in AT and T, like one of the big things was like, oh yeah, it's a it's a visitor stadium. It's almost like San Francisco, uh, San Diego to a much larger extent, right? Where we're talking about Raiders fans going down there and making it a home game basically, and having it like Dallas basically used to have neutral. Uh, I guess you would say home field advantage, right? Because they're like a bunch of like they're like, hey, we want to go down and see Jerry World, and we want to go see our team play against the Cowboys. So that's like the trip that people would take down south, right? And now it's like it, there's been enough years that the AT and T Stadium has been like established that it's like that place really gets rocking now. Like there's there's a reason why this team is beating, uh, beating a lot of these point spreads at home. And it's because they're able to they, – basically, betters undervalued what Dallas's home field advantage truly was this deep into a stadium run. And I think that's going to be a huge fucking factor in Green Bay, especially when you have Broad Marinelli coaching up guys like uh, Malik Collins who's starting to come on and like David Irving, right? Like these are guys who legitimately for, – for most NFL fans, these guys came out of nowhere. Like the people who are paying attention knew who these guys were and knew that they were super raw prospects. But like Rod Marinelli, Rod Marinelli, Rod Marinelli's got Melanie, uh, Malik Collins leading the Cowboys in sacks. I want to say. Yeah, I as, think he's definitely up there. Yeah, as a rookie, and he was a guy who a lot of people didn't have in their top 100 draft prospects this past summer or this past spring. Um, but that that dude was basically a dude who had nothing other than a first step and hips like a linebacker, and Rod Marinelli built him the hell up. Yeah, like I remember, I didn't. I didn't really like his tape at Nebraska that much. I thought he was. I liked of, his hips, and when he ran, I was like, "Oh man, this dude has something." You know what I mean? Yeah, like, this dude has potential. That's that's one thing is like, you you see a lot of this on like draft day where it's like landing spots really do matters in terms of projection. Because when they were like, "Yeah, the Dallas Cowboys took him," and I was like, "Oh, Rod Marinelli, Rod Marinelli gets his hands on him." I was like, "That makes a lot of sense." Same thing with Charles Tapper. Charles Tapper, uh, out of. Oklahoma. He was the guy who ran down Amari Cooper as as a two hundred and eighty pound defensive end at Oklahoma in that Sugar Bowl or whatever it was. Yeah, uh, and he was a guy who basically he his his talent got neutered in uh, Oklahoma's defensive scheme change. And uh, with Rod Marinelli, I'm I'm sure that he's going to be able to figure out how to make that guy into like at least like an eight sack guy at some point in his career. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm, 
scared of Juan Marinelli. I'm scared of Zeke Elliott. I'm I'm taking Dallas minus four. Uh, all right, yeah, I I, I kind of I like Dallas minus four too. I, I just think they're going to be able to play keep away long enough, to, uh, you know, to to hold on the ball and uh, keep Aaron Rodgers on the sideline. So, uh, yeah. you want to kick it to that interview with uh, Stoner? We'll do it. We're we're gonna interview our friend for our Q and A portion, uh, Eric Stoner, uh, Mr. Bo Jackson on Twitter. He writes for uh, we used to we used to do or I guess I used to do stuff with him on Draft Mecca. Uh, he's been around for literally like the start. Like I literally made a Twitter account so I could like follow Eric Stoner. Uh, cool guy. We met in person a couple times. So we'll throw it into him for Q and A section right now. joined by our a friend of the podcast eric stoner in real life friend uh his twitter handle is b e a u x j a x s o n bo jackson say what's up to the people eric what's going on guys not much hey you should plug everything right now because we're horrible at plugging everything so you should Uh, just plug everything that you got right right now okay i I co-host the keep chopping wood podcast it's a jaguar podcast uh on big cat country that we're wrapped up for the season pretty much though so i think we're gonna do like one final season to uh because they're I, it's looking like a breaking on twitter right now that uh they're getting ready to uh announce their their head coach hiring so we'll have one last episode of that uh and then we'll do them intermittently throughout the off season and then um i also i don't co-host it with them but i'm i appear on it every week uh the i hate sully podcast we do like gambling takes and shit like that so um, and like I said, once that gets into the off season, I don't know how uh, how frequent it will be happening. But uh, yeah, keep an eye out for those. Awesome. So we got we're gonna do some Q and A's with Eric right now, right? Let's go, yeah. Chuck. All right. Uh, all right. From uh, Steve Frederick at Sports Guy tweets, Eric had a very good piece on Mariota pre-draft. Thoughts on Mariota and Winston through the first two years? Um. I don't think they're any different. I think it's what I do think is the most. Jameis isn't any different at all. I don't think he's pretty much like you. That's what was so good about Jameis is that he's uh, the ease of his evaluation. Like he he is what he what he like he is what he was in college. He's going to continue to be that. There's not a lot of uh, like he's kind of high variance in terms of results and like play to play. But uh, in ter- he's consistent in in the type of player he is. Whereas Mariota, I think the most interesting thing about him so far is like what Malarkey does on offense in Tennessee could not be further than than what he was doing in at Oregon. And like I didn't necessarily think the Oregon scheme should have been held against him. You just got to understand like what he was asked to do within it and what traits of his translate didn't translate. So um, I mean. In general, I think he pretty much still is what he is. We haven't really seen him like. Uh, he still in- like struggles with the deep ball. Like that's that's the one thing yeah, that, that that's, he still that's, has issues with. Maybe, and I don't know how correctable that is. Like, and, and you're an Oregon fan too, so you yeah. 
you've seen, and you know, I, I live on the West Coast, so I like I I watch Pac-12 football. That's pretty much the only college football I even really keep up with. So I was pretty familiar with Marcus, and yeah, I, I don't th- think those traits are gonna are gonna really change. Like he's really good at a uh, at inter- at attacking the intermediate portions of the field. His deep ball sucks. Um, not really a great improviser, but if you give him a clear lane, like to run, that's where he can hurt you with his legs. So I, I think he's a nice player. I mean, I, I thought he was good coming out. Um, my take on him coming out was like, I call, there are two types of quarterbacks. Matt Waldman talks about it a lot. Justice, you and I talk about it a lot, how there's like a managerial types and then there's like creative thinking types of quarterbacks and like that Jameis is like creative thinking and Mariota's like he's very by the book and you you could tell that uh that kind of robotic nature that got ingrained with him like playing for chip that that has really uh it's shown itself through his playing style through the years yeah that's why it doesn't really surprise me when people pull up like crazy like red zone numbers and things like that where he's like crazy efficient in that it's like yeah he's a fucking robot no no shit that like he's gonna be really really fucking efficient with the football and in constricted space basically yeah, and he's going to execute your offense exactly how it's drawn up. Like uh, like I said, people kind of mistake and think that like every guy who's athletic and who can scramble, I guess, is kind of uh, like a great improviser. And that's not really true. Like I said, like he, where he can use his legs is where if, if he has a clear lane and a clear run through to where he, and he can build up speed and hit it full steam ahead. He's not, like I said, he's not a real great uh, – a real great improviser. And I don't think that's ever going to be a huge part of his game, but uh, down to down executing your offense, like that he's going to do exactly what you coach him how to do. I'm going to be interested to see Like I thought he was really, really impressive against, uh, against Jacksonville. And that's like who I, but I also weirdly, I saw him against Denver and he, I, I, they beat Denver, but he was not great in that game at all. And oh, I don't no, know. He was, fu- he was fucking horrible. He completed like 30% of his passes or something. Yeah. Like it, it was really, really bad. Um, so I don't know. Like, I think another year will be uh will be very telling on both of those guys. But I mean, y- you are who you are, basically. I, I, there's a couple of guys who grow exponentially, but overall, like, I can't. Players stay the same. Yeah, and that, outside of like Le'Veon Bell dropping like 30 pounds from Michigan State to like his second year in the NFL, and he, even then, like his running style was the same, but he didn't have the body type for it. And now he, he's kind of figured that part out. Yeah, totally. Le'Veon's a good example of uh, of a player who did change, but like you said, he had an, a a pretty extreme. He he made over his body pretty extremely. Like he he was a fat dude at, at Michigan State, but the thing was, is he was a really really good fat dude. <laughs> <laughs> like people do forget that. It, like I. I don't remember exactly what the numbers were, but he like opened the season up his senior year, getting like fifty-five touches or something against Boise State. I think it was. Good and fucking god! Oh, and oh he yeah. hurt a lot, dude. I remember that. Yeah, 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 I remember yeah. that game. Like he he was always a big back with balance and everything. He was just kind of uh he he was a little pudgy, but they use him. I mean, he was Michigan State's offense doesn't really target the running back. Out of like it doesn't it doesn't have like an extensive pass game or anything, but you can you can see all that stuff was there for him still like those skills. So the traits and everything are all still the same. He's just a lot lighter and more explosive now. All right, uh, move on to the next question from David at David Meh. Would or should Jack Doria prioritize Wade Phillips? Would he give up control? Ken Norton Jr. makes me sad. 
Uh, Ken Norton Jr. should make you sad. Um, all former Seattle defensive coordinators are. I mean, I, I think that... The, the new one's getting head coaching interviews too now, right? Yeah, I, saw, Chris I think Richard I saw is. that. Yeah, what's his name? Chris Richard. Chris Richard? He's black though, so it might be a little bit of a change. I don't know, Ken, so is Ken Norton. Yeah, I just think all Seattle defensive coordinators <laughs> might be bad. That's why I don't trust Atlanta, dude. I don't trust Atlanta. They have Matt Ryan and they have a, a bald guy with a goatee. That what, do you, what do you mean they have Matt Ryan? What do you mean by that? <laughs> Shut up. All right, come on. Eric, Matt Ryan or Aaron Rodgers? My, my feelings about Matt Ryan are, are very well known and documented. Nobody so. thinks Matt Ryan's better than Aaron Rodgers, you dunce. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, that's, that's what, what I'm saying. Then why do we have to overcomplicate this like MVP voting process? That's what I'm saying, man. That's all I'm trying to show you people. It's not that hard. I heard a radio segment this morning when I was driving home from work. I forgot. Uh, it was whatever ESPN West Coast radio show was on at the time, and, and they were talking about how like a big part of the problem is that the like the NFL just needs to change the name of the award. Because, like, what throws everything off is the valuable name. It should just be, like, most outstanding player. That's what I'm saying. If it was, like, that, I tweeted that out where I was, like, give, give, give the, like, split the vote, right? And, like, Matt Ryan can have the most and Aaron Rodgers can have the valuable. And we'll just call it good money there. Even though Aaron Rodgers threw more t- or has more touchdowns than Matt Ryan. He had two more. You're not including rushing touchdowns, boy. He had to do that shit by himself, too. No one, the only time, the only... The only player in NFL history who's had more touchdowns and fewer turnovers than Aaron Rodgers this year was when Aaron Rodgers last won his MVP in the entire history of the NFL. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like those hyper-efficiency numbers for Rodgers can, like, he. that's a big reason why their offense was so bogged down early in the year. Even, I'm saying, all right, so that's fine, today, right? That's fine, that's fine, but, like, why is the eye test only – the eye test only matters on the first half of Aaron Rodgers' season, no, nothing else. Well, Matt That's Ryan the craziest had 16 thing to me. Games. I, Well, I think I think you got to acknowledge that Aaron was playing bad in the like at the early portions of the season. I don't, don't want to have this fight anymore. I'm I'm fighting five thousand Twitter will, eggs at the I same was, time. Also, I, we will, are I will say though is like the game against Jacksonville for the opener. Like he didn't play particularly well or anything, but mm-hmm. he made the, he made the three plays in the game that won the game. He made he made that throw to Devontae that he needed to make with the yeah. dude, with the dude wrapped around his shoulder. Made, that's, that's what made, the difference between winning and losing football games at Green Bay at this he, point. He made three absolutely ridiculous plays. The rest of the Packers played like shit. Like uh, that was the only game that like Blake and A Rob showed up for until like week fifteen. <laughs> but uh, Demarius <laughs> Demarius Randall got away with like fifteen thousand holds. So yeah, that's I, true. I, I see. I see what you're pointing. I keep. I keep saying. I keep comparing it to like when Barkley or when like. Um, when Karl Malone won MVPs over Jordan, and then in the playoffs, things but, just... But that, that, was on some, that was on some, like, we got to give it to someone other than Jordan shit, right? Like, Aaron Rodgers only has one MVP. Like, he's, no. not, he's not... Not like when Barkley won it, because that was in, what, 1991? I was born in 1993, boy. I can't tell you nothing. Like, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know none of this. I'm too young for this conversation. Pass. So, yeah, I don't know. Is it... I don't really... Yeah. I'm not as emotionally invested in it as you two seem to be. So. No, I'm not even Chuck, that. Chuck isn't. Chuck I'm doesn't not. give I'm just here to troll. Thing. I'm just here to troll justice. <laughs> make, him mad. make him mad. We just we got to – look, it's going to settle itself on the field and then in the NFC Championship game, so we don't even nope. have to worry about yeah. this. That's what, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. I want to see those two – I want to see those two play each other again. Like, 
the last time when was it? When was what year was that? I think it was when Atlanta. What, it was it 2012 or 2013? No, it was like two, 2010, 2011 oh, when yeah, Tremont Williams took yeah. the pick six. Yeah, that's that, yeah, that was like 2010. Yeah, I, that was before. That was during. Uh, I walked out of my house for to go to winter formal when Tremont Williams took that to 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 the house. And my dad's a Falcons fan. And I just like, what was the score of that game again? It's like Ge- like when when Atlanta got ran out of the Georgia Dome. It's like 42 to 24, no something like that. It was so much worse than like what forty two twenty four seems like too. I know, I know. Like Tremont, Tremont Williams took that pick to the Dude, house, it, and I it was felt like, like Atlanta didn't get a first down for like three quarters or some shit, and uh, Green Bay was just scoring on every drive. That's how it felt. Like that's how my memory uh, remembers it, anyways. Yeah, I was just watching that game behind tears in my eyes. Wow, we didn't answer that Are question you- at all. But all right, what was the, question? Uh, the, the question was: Should the Raiders prioritize Wade Phillips? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, we got off, we got off the rails a little bit on that one. Uh, I'm pro Wade because he's a D line coach. More D line coaches should be should be defensive coordinator. So yeah, I I'm 100 pro Wade. I think he's the best defensive coordinator in the NFL. Well, someone we'll... someone was like Wade Phillips is 70 years old. Boy, Dick LeBeau and fucking uh, Dick LeBeau and and uh, Don Capers are still out here coaching defenses like. Wade, Wade can still do that. Look, Wade, Wade has better health than the head coach who just won a Super Bowl last year, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's like, it's not an issue, not an issue at all. Wade, Wade can still coach for years. Where is Wade going to go? Where do you guys think he's going to go? I don't know. I saw all these rumors, and I, I, I have no, like, I, if I were, I don't even care, like, who, you, who you are as the head coach of Denver, like, just fucking retain him, man. It's not yeah. that hard. Yeah, that's what I would do. Like, I think I can't he's kind really... of. I think he's low key kind of pissed that he didn't even get offered to interview for the for the job. Well, he didn't get offered because he went down to the Houston Texans last time he took a head coaching offer and told them, "I'm taking Johnny Manziel number one overall." Like <laughs> that's that's how that thing works. Like, I remember <laughs> that, that's the one thing that he said about the meeting, and they're like, "What'd you say in the meeting?" He's like, "I took I I told him I was going to take Johnny," and they're like, "All right, chill. Have have a nice day, Wade." It's funny. Yeah, I, I think Oakland makes a lot of sense because. I mean, they're they're going to be good again when Carr gets healthy, and I mean they have some pieces on that defense, so maybe maybe Oakland. All right, uh, next question from Heath K. What bottom eight team in the NFL do you feel is poised to take the largest step forward in the near future? And uh, here here's the uh, the bottom eight by draft order: Cleveland, San Francisco, Chicago, Jacksonville, uh, L.A. The Jets, San Diego, and Carolina. That's the bottom eight. Obviously, Carolina, right? Yeah. Because they're they're not really a bottom eight team. They're kind of a middle in the pack team who has like wild swings of that are like very streaky one way or the other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they they have the uh, they got they got the quarterback in place. They got some pieces on defense. I think, and you know, they were just killed by injuries this year too. I think they lost. Like three starting offensive linemen to IR. So once they get healthy and kind of that that young secondary gets another year in the system, I think they'll be a lot better next year. Yeah. What are we talking about? The Domino's guy just came out the door. Uh, what of the bottom <laughs> of the bottom eight teams in the NFL right now by draft order? Which one's the most poised to make a turnaround? Oh God. I um, said Car- Carolina is like an, an easy obvious answer. Yeah. Oh yeah, but they're like they got to be like eight, right? Yeah, they are in a fate. <laughs> yeah, I was like, they got, they got <laughs> fucking eight. All right, who, what, what was the list again? Go over it again. Uh, Cleveland, San Francisco, Chicago, Jacksonville, L.A., New York, San Diego, and Carolina. 
Dude, I don't think Chicago is that far away, honestly. Like, Chicago is very close to being, like, half decent if they can get a quarterback. Yeah, that's a spot that they're – when Barkley was playing all right, they were looking half decent, right? If they can keep Van Gio, right? Because, like, he's, like, trying – like, the there's all those rumors about that. And, like, I'd rather have him than John Fox head coaching. You know what I mean? For sure. And, John, like, John Fox is kind of a milk toast coach, but, like, you could do a lot worse than John Fox. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you, like, could do, you could do a lot worse than John Fox and Vic. And Vic. It seems Fangio. like uh, that's a guys pretty, like Kyle Long will talk about stable. it, and they'll be like, he's like a motivator type of guy. Like he's not really like that X and O's type. You know what I mean? Like he's like very much like a motivator. You can relate to him. And to some extent, that matters. I mean, Chip Kelly got fired after a fucking year. So. Yeah, Chip Kelly's awful for the NFL. Oof, I, yeah, I still can't believe they let him go after one year, though. Like. Bro, that's that's the weirdest. Because oh, the they that what GM was gonna go there, or what defensive coordinator was gonna go there, with Chip as a head coach. Bro, the craziest thing. Okay, so listen to this: the offensive coordinator, the uh, offensive line coach for the Seattle Seahawks, Tom Cable, who used to be the head coach of the o- Oakland Raiders, right? He's been coaching a trash offensive line for basically the entire existence of Russell Wilson up in Seattle, and the excuse that people give him when he's interviewing with the San Francisco 49ers is you can't blame him for taking the players that he had on the roster. Like he's not a GM. He's just, he's just an online coach. When at the same time, they just pulled the, they pulled the cord on, on Chip Kelly after a year. Like, I don't really, I don't see how that line of thought makes sense at all. Well, you're also a a Chip Kelly stand. So he's got, you should have cut, you should have come to Oakland or he should have come to Oregon. He didn't want to leave in season and he messed up. Now he's jobless. That's what happened. He did fuck up. He should have gone back to Oregon. He was going to accept that job two different times the same week that his pops passed, and he didn't end up doing it because he didn't want to quit on a team in season. and got. I think he ended up losing to the Chicago Bears that week. Yeah. We're picking third. We're picking Sorry. third. I think he's going to take a year off and just chill and, like, consult and sit in with other teams and shit like that, and then he's going to have whatever. He's going to get hired in, like, November. That. He's going to get hired at, like, a college job in, like, November or, like, late October or something. Yep. That's exactly what's going to happen. Like, yeah. Texas A&M's going to fire, like, Kevin Sumlin. He'll be, like, the head coach of the Texas A&M before, like, bowl season hits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, next question from uh, at JV3. How important is setting the edge at the cost of pass rushing productivity? Uh, Step to contact, so it doesn't really matter. You're, it's the same step, and you're going to have time to read it. Like you could read a you you read a block like that's one of the first things that you, they teach you to do, right? Um, but if you're if you're it's all step to contact stuff. So like inside foot, you're stepping up, you're you're half manning everything. If you're uh, if you're in playing in a one gap defense anyway, so it's the same thing really. The one thing that I will say is it's not pass rushing. It's when you're left in the open field. This is one thing that Chuck and I have talked about a lot. It's when you're left unblocked and there's like a kick coming at you and things like that. Right. And it's guys who over penetrate instead of shuffling down the line of scrimmage and getting as deep as uh, the offensive lineman's feet in like the initial stance before they're going to snap the ball. That's the, that's the biggest thing to me is when guys overran overrun that and then they get kicked out by a guard and it ends up being a 15 yard hole that you could like, you could literally drive a Mack truck through. Yeah, I remember. Uh, what was that dude for Penn State? Oh, Zettel, when he had the the sack on uh, Eli Manning, 
I think it was a few weeks ago because the guard was just too slow and Zettel even. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He oh, didn't the, even the, read the, the key. Pass, the pass pro with the guard action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the guard was just too slow to get over, and Zettel just kind of pounced like a like a dog. He he didn't even he had no idea what he was doing, but he he walked Dude, right into his. Dude, Anthony Anthony Zettel's the worst. So we 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 just dropped uh, NFL 1000 D end or not D end D end for me D tackle for Chuck D everything else for everyone else. Um, and they did like the rankings, like the cumulative rankings, right? And Zettel, Zettel was by far like the worst defensive end that, that I graded all year. Like that dude gets logged on kicks all the time. Ugh. Like they'll reach him on kicks and like pin him back to the line. I'm like, man, I don't even know how you're seeing the field right now. I remember, I remember like before his last season, people had him as like a first round pick. Because like, he, he, ta- he tackled the tree, man. Yeah, he tackled yeah. the shit out of the tree. All right. Uh, next question from at. Uh, Pato DRS. If you feel the need, if you feel to need to load the box, play with mostly one high safety looks. What's the profile your DBs need to uh, possess? Like, what what kind of traits would you look for if you're playing in a, a scheme that's one high most of the time? So everything in like a one high, outside receivers, even in like cover three, right? If those guys are going vertical, that essentially turns into like man defense anyway, right? Yep. Um, you're looking. You're looking at. You're. I mean, you're looking at different things, right? So you're not just straight staring at that 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 receiver the whole time. You might be able to get a peek at a quarterback if you know this guy's taking like a slant or something or a a post or something like that. But I mean, really, it's it's makeup speed. It's makeup speed, physicality, and length. Like it's not. It's not too hard. I mean, you got to have fluid enough hips. It's a lot of it's just pure athleticism, to be honest. I think Eric's talked about this before. We're like playing playing DBs a lot, like playing defense in like basketball, right? Yep. 100%. And like a lot of the best uh, perimeter defenders that you see in basketball, they're, it's not really like small, quick, and speedy guys. It's guys that can, that, like, got powerful lower bodies and can cover a lot of ground with one stride. Um, like, because it's all about like recovery. The offensive guy is going to beat you to your spot when you're, when you're at the reactive position. So a lot of it is just being able to recover. So, uh, in a single high profile, like I think the biggest misconception that a lot of people have is like what they expect out of that single high safety. Just because like the prototype of what it is in today's NFL is is uh, Earl Thomas, and I mean that th- that's just not a guy that exists for a lot of teams. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like I coached O line or I coached uh, football the past two years with a dude who was down at Beaumont, Texas. Um, Coaching the same conferences as, like, Earl Thomas, uh, Kristen Michael, like, all those guys. And he says, like, he went down to Texas. He played online for uh, Wazoo and stuff. And he, he, like, he swears to God. Like, he went down. He coached in Texas for a decade and a half. And he said Earl Thomas by far the best high school athlete he's ever seen in his life just because of that makeup speed. Yeah, he Earl is just special. So, really, what you want from – and Pete has said this before, too. Like, uh, really, all you need from the single high spot is a guy – like, Rule number one is take away the post. Like, if you get beat by the post as a single high safety, you had a bad game. Um, and you don't need a ton of speed to defend the post from the single high spot. Like, you just don't don't bite down the fakes on other stuff. Like, it's you, coming you are, you, you are, yeah, you are in position. Seams is when you have two guys that have a run. Yeah, seams and, and that's and your you that's split and break while the ball's in the air. And that's your day one install when you're a team that bases out of one high. Is you got to teach those guys day one like how to defend four verts from your from your one high shell. Like at whether it's cover three, cover one, whatever, how to split the difference between like because uh, the single high safety is going to have to split the two seam runners and then your corners are going to have to use the sideline as as an extra defender and, and split the two vert runners as well. So there's a, a 
so st- being able to stay vertical and over the top and, and being able to run with, like, you don't need to be the fastest guy in the world, but like you said, recovery speed and length is, is something that for sure definitely helps. The uh, the the guy, whatever safety it is, that, and see, you if you want to, you can, you don't need to, uh, to necessarily stereotype and have, like, you don't need Cam Chancellor down in the box either. Like, uh, how big is Keanu Neal? Uh, he's like six feet two fifteen. Six feet two, six feet two fifteen. That, that that's like Cyprian size too. So, yeah. um, but the guy that whoever it is that's playing down in the box, that dude has to be an absolute dog. You can do yeah. some like if you want, like if you want to be a team that has two kind of similar safeties. Because the thing is, from the single high spot, that dude needs to be a good alley runner. Like he's got to be able to to be secure in making making his tackles against the run too. Because he he's the true last line of defense runner. So, and he's got. I mean. He doesn't have to be like an absolute dog and an absolute thumper, but I mean, if you want to get if you want to get the most out of the scheme, like you got to be able to run to run weak side cover three out of uh like out of your under front because that's where I mean that's where you're gonna want to to pull the safety down into that front. So I mean, some versatility between the two is nice, but I mean, one guy like one guy it, it, you have to have a guy that's disciplined more than anything up top, and then uh. The guy that's that's playing in the box has to be a, a, an absolute killer. All right, uh, and one last question from uh, Josh at Elgato Grand Three. You're forced to pick one: Vince Staples or Young Thug. Uh, we're picking my brother Vince. Yeah, I, I protect think so Vince too. at all costs. <laughs> I, I think so too. Yeah, because this is the, the thing, thing when, the when aliens. That, the only thing is that Young Thugs. Just like his uh, his volume and output is much greater so far right now. But we don't even know. So like when aliens come down, right? When Trump tells us that like aliens are real and they have to like invade us, right? Like Young Thug might switch sides because I'm not even sure he's human. That's fair. We ride, we ride with Vincent. I'm riding with Vincent. Yeah, he's a California kid. So exactly. All right. So is that three votes for Vince? Ah. <sighs> <laughs> What does my vote mean? Like I can never listen to the other one ever again. <laughs> yeah, l- l- yeah. Let's say that. Like, that makes that makes it harder. Actually, I don't know if I if I can never listen to the other one again. I think I might go thugger. Uh, yeah, if you if you put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like rap that. game Freddie Mercury, right? Because that's, that's what I said. Yeah, rap game Freddie Mercury, and then just the 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 volume is so much greater. Like Vince just doesn't have a lot of output yet. What he's put out is is fire, bro. I know like, people who like, every don't single, even every fuck with like, thing. rap music. Like people don't even fuck with rap music, and they fuck with Jeffrey heavy, heavy. Yeah. Floyd Mayweather is the best song ever made. Floyd May Floyd Mayweather and pro- is like that's probably one, and then Webby is two. <laughs> that that whole album has a bunch of gen- like Riri's crazy, bro. Like there's yeah. so many songs on that whole album that are just nuts. It's really good. Rest in peace to Rich, rich Homie Quan. We're never gonna get. We're never gonna get part two of uh of Rich Gang. Oh, absolutely not. No. no. All right. Uh, so he got, he got. Yeah, I don't know. He had a. Uh, he, he hasn't even put anything out in a long time. Has he? He's like disappeared. Like the last thing. The last thing I remember about Rich Homie Quan was like he like dipped out on like a. He was like a wanted and like showed up on like motorboats in like Miami or some shit, right? Like I think that's the last thing that I remember about Rich Homie Quan. I think he got like he was get he got like kind of rapey with his lyrics too. Oh, 
Yeah. Ooh, problematic. Never mind. Ooh. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think that happened, but I'm not 100% sure, so I can't be held liable for like, <laughs> slander or anything like that. But no, um, no one can hold us accountable for anything I, that we. I say think he had. He's kind that. of getting kind of getting rapey lyrics a little bit. Mm. Mm, some of, Robin Thicke lyrics. Not good. Yeah, not a good I look. Think that's what happens. Uh, so on that note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's call it there. Segment killer. Yeah, segment killer. <laughs> uh, so, uh, thanks again, Eric, for coming on. Uh, so, like you plugged at the beginning, you can find him on the I Hate Sully podcast. What? How do you often do you do that with Sully? Uh, I do it once a week with him. Once a week for the game picks. Yeah. Uh, you yeah, can we... find him on Twitter at Bo Jackson, uh, B-E-A-U-X-J-A-X-S-O-N. Yep. And uh, we'll be back next week to discuss uh, the Packers Falcons NFC Championship game. So thanks mm. for listening to the fifth episode of Set in the Edge, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>